I'm Everett. I'm Stan. And this is Six Fifths. Welcome back. Yes, we hope you have time to listen. Yes, because some people here say they don't got time for anything. Yeah, I mean, what's wrong with that? I ain't got time for, you know, everything. I mean, I mean, no one does, but it's kind of hard when you make that excuse for everything. Like, doesn't that seem kind of weird? It does. And I think at MIT, that excuse is probably a little more common than what you would see elsewhere. Yeah. Um, although I think that maybe we could be forgiven for... I don't know, actually. I wonder about this because this is one of those things that is uh, perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, we're going to talk about um, how it is a very common thing at MIT for people to be rather flaky or simply to not take on very many responsibilities at all. Right. Um, simply because they're doing work. Yeah. Um, and, you know, sort of how that affects how things are going at MIT like now and forever. Yeah, and we got reminded of this because CPW, Campus Preview Weekend, is happening right now. Uh, probably won't be happening by the time yes. this episode um, goes up online, but it's currently happening right now. And what happens during CPW is that you have a lot of people who normally you don't see a lot of, but they get really energized because uh, because all these pre-frosh, the freshmen that got admitted to MIT, uh, if I had listening out there, hi, we are not that scary. Anyway, yeah, so... So yeah, a bunch of these, bunch of these upperclassmen get really energized about the prefrosh. But these upperclassmen, are, it seems a little weird for them to do that because they are normally not energized about anything normally during the year because of they all would always say that, you know, I don't got time for that. I gotta work and stuff like that. So why is this a thing? Uh, part of it is that people who are not so into CPW disappear, right? Because uh, the kind of feeling is ugh, prefrosh. Uh, I don't want to deal with that. Mm-hmm. They're too happy. <laughs> this is actually the thing that people say, right? Like, and then people will hide away from the prefrosh and mm-hmm. pretend that they don't exist because they don't want to interact with them. Um, well, people being people avoiding people because they're too happy. While I understand that some people are grading, um, that's kind of a problem in general because it's like conform to the level of depression or I won't accept you is kind of the weird implication that that shows, and that's a little odd, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Plus, I think that people feel uh, a degree of pressure to be positive about MIT mm-hmm. during CPW because there is pressure to be positive about MIT. Right. There's a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody really wants to be that person who is demonstrably responsible for getting a free frosh to go to Caltech or something. Right. So it's kind of... Caltech's a bad example, but um, yeah. You know, well, no, I don't think Caltech is a bad example. A lot of people make decisions between here and Caltech or here in Harvard, for example. Right? Yeah. And a good question, though, is... Um, hmm. There's a certain degree to which you might occasionally wonder, especially if you're in a bad mood about all of this stuff. Like, how sincere are people when they say, you know, this stuff? They're like, oh, MIT is worth it. Right. You know, like, ultimately, it was great, right? Mm-hmm. I think that there has to be a level of sincerity there. Like, people yeah. have to mean it. There has to be, like, some group of people who mean it, right? Yeah. I mean, like, Evan, for example, right? Like, in our last episode, they, uh, Evan and Stan had a discussion about, hey, uh, you know, like, what are you going to do now? And Evan said, looking back on MIT, I really liked it. It was a great time for me, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like there have to be people like that at MIT, despite all the stereotypes and how much we can very freely talk about how people think it's terrible here. Mm-hmm. Um, so those people have to exist. Right. And I think those people do um, compromise a non-trivial majority of people. It's just kind of, it's it's a little difficult to get people to express that while they're here. Majority sometimes. or plurality or? I think plurality is the better 
It's a better phrase. Sometimes mm. I have difficulty using those th- using those statistical words. Um, yeah, I'm I'm smart. Well, you're, I an promise. you're an You're you know probably going to go to graduate school for engineering, so it's okay. Statistics I should know more statistics than I currently do. This is kind of a problem. Isn't this that true I'm of all on. people in science though? <laughs> <laughs> like always and forever. <laughs> yeah, this is especially true in biology. But yeah, I actually do need to get better at this. This is the thing. But um, at any rate, I think the, the, the thing to think about is uh, in normal functioning of things, when we don't have events and stuff going on, people can be very reticent to take on responsibility. Right. It's only when these big events occur that everybody uh, sort, sort of bands together to start doing a whole lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And even then, there's sort of a very uh, off-and-on attitude about it. You're either working full tilt on it or you don't care at all. Right. Um, and it, it's it's uh, sort of interesting that things are like this at MIT. But I would actually say that the difference between full tilt and not working on it at all is a is something that comes up based on your perspective of how you are evaluating people. Because actually, I think that it's not actually unreasonable for you to take a break from being out in front of everybody. Like, you know, you run an event, you're sitting out there um, talking to Prefrosh, doing whatever for PRs, and then it's like, oh, I'm going to go and do work because it's still Thursday. Like, that's okay, right? But I feel like some people here do um, kind of vilify the, oh, you you were just there. Why did you leave? Like, come back. But you still have your own life and stuff, and it's almost like that you kind of forget about that, and that's a little odd, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's funny because, um, I mean, more more what I'm talking about is that there's a, um, is less a, a sort of, like, way people behave and the, the way different people will take up their attitude towards this. You don't really have a lot of people who are like, okay, well, I'm going to spend some time, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to divert a little bit of my time to, to this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, in my experience, it's been, like, you have people who are like, oh my god, CPW, I'm going to spend all weekend talking to Prefrosh and preparing events and generally managing stuff because I like the Prefrosh, I right. like MIT. And you have other people who are like, fuck that, I have work, mm-hmm. fuck the Prefrosh, fuck CPW, I'm fucking busy. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't really have people who sit in the middle of that. Um, or at least, like, if you do, they don't express their opinions very loudly, which... Which is why we're here. Not not super surprising. Yeah. And, but um, I, I, do, I do think, though, that the reason that the middle people don't um, like don't express themselves that wildly is because the because then they the people on either side will try to push them towards either side and it's just like you know I can't actually do that and because they don't get it they just withdraw a lot of the time. True. Yeah. True. And I mean, part of it is that you know uh, we're still not super old. You know, right. and some people are just not super great at putting themselves in other people's shoes right and so a lot of the time it just comes from like a total mismatch of of priorities right Mm -hmm. almost sort of like how could you believe things that i don't believe right how could you you know be wrong like that right um and you know in the in the moment especially like people can kind of forget wait they have different priorities than i do right yeah um and you know I have to at least accept that this is the case, even if I don't think it's right. And I, I think that um, there's also a sort of sense that you're sort of expected to handle your own things, too. Mm-hmm. Um, people are kind of also a little reticent to to jump onto a thing that takes a substantial amount of time yeah. that they don't have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you come up with an idea and you look for people to help you, mm-hmm. a lot of them are like, eh, why don't you do it? 
Yeah. And it's, it's quite irritating because, you know, coming up with an idea and having the skills to actually make it happen are not always, right. you know, going to be the same thing. Right. But I think there is a difference um, uh, between being the idea man who kind of just sits there and is like, I came up with the idea and everyone else do the work and having people who... You, you know, you came up with the idea and you work with them to make it happen. And I think that um, partially because of parodies that come up about startup culture and stuff like that, that you have, like, you know, the MBA person who came up with this great business idea that he hired a bunch of people to code for him. And that is not, like, a situation that people um, want to be in. And, I mean, I, I think people think that, that this kind of thing is much easier than it actually is. Right, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Now... I'm not saying that incompetent people don't meet with success sometimes anyway. Oh, yeah. But, like, mm-hmm. it, it is actually pretty hard to have, like, good hiring practices mm-hmm. and to know enough about programming that you actually hire people who are good at it. Right. And have the skill sets that you need. Like, it's yeah. actually, like, a non-trivial thing. Right. And a lot of people are terrible at it, but then again, most people are terrible at the thing. Well, most people are mediocre at the things that they do. Mm-hmm. And when you have very high standards, like people at MIT tend to do, mm-hmm. mediocre starts to look a lot, like, abjectly terrible. Right. When it's not actually that ter- that terrible in the real world, and I'm I'm mostly just saying that because this image exists, that you can be put in a suboptimal situa- situation by having the one person that kind of is taking advantage of these other people and then gets frustrated at them because they're not doing uh, work to a high standard. Blah 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 blah. blah. That is a little. That's a little bit of why people tend to balk at. Um, people who just kind of say things without doing things. And I think this is a reasonable thing to say, but I think that you do have to give some people a chance sometimes. I mean, also you have yeah. to, again, you have to have a sense of perspective about this um, yeah. because like you actually don't know what other people are, are doing sometimes. Right. You don't actually know how much work goes into um, something that someone is trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And especially if you never ask, right. you're just never going to know. Yeah. Like if you think like, oh man, you know, like all this person has to do is this or this and you know, it's super big simplification, right? Mm-hmm. Then it's, uh, it's, it's really like how dumb is this, right? Like, right. um, Speaking from personal experience, and maybe this gets a little political, but I'm fine with mentioning this because fuck it, it's MIT. Um, I'm a humanities major. Mm-hmm. I'm a double humanities major. Super fun. So people, you know, tend to assume that um, my classes take like zero time and they're super easy. And none of this is true. I sometimes wish it were true, but um, I generally take like uh, pretty difficult classes. And the thing is that. Uh, if you if you're pretty serious about the thing, there's a lot of supplemental stuff that you need to do. You just need to do it, right? Um, because no class can give you everything in the humanities to such to like a huge extent, more than like the sciences. Like, it is not reasonable to expect your classes to really give you like a full, super big background on their own, right? Of like the kinds of things that you need to do to say enter high level grad school. Mm-hmm. Like the amount of time that you would like spend, for example, doing like research in a lab. Right. Um, if you were like, you know, aiming for science stuff, uh-huh. you have to spend instead reading. Yeah. Um, and reading, reading, especially theoretical texts, is actually quite difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually really hard. <laughs> um, there's a lot of, uh, they can be rather dense. You have to take notes um, or else you sort of lose track of what's going on. Yeah. Um, you got to find the right people to talk to about it. And all of these things are, are things that take time. 
and things that you have to know how to do. Um, and if you just see me, you know, sitting around reading books, right, maybe mm-hmm. you don't, maybe you're like, oh, you know, like, so easy. He just reads, you know, like, books, you know, for fun, and, you know, that's, like, but that's your what work. he does for classes. And it's like, yeah. no, a lot of the time right. reading this is not very fun. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time I read, like, the same page five times because I'm like, what the fuck is this saying? Right, yeah. <laughs> like, you have to reason out what, what happened, right? And I actually do think that's, that's interesting, the, the comparison that you just made about the time that people spend in lab, which is what a lot of people do because most people are engineering majors, right? And compared to the compared to the time that you you spend that time reading, uh, but yet people just don't understand that. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's, it's because it's the thing that most people don't, most people's interaction with reading, right, right. is reading things for fun, mm-hmm. right? Uh, most people also don't have too much interaction with a kind of like, you know, very like theoretical texts, right? Right. That, that, you know, I kind of read. And so, you know, the assumption is one of two things. Either one, you know, I'm reading, you know, this stuff and I'm enjoying it and it's great, you mm-hmm. know, so it's like, you know, not really work or something. Right. Or two, having had limited exposure to these things and not actually understanding what any of them saying, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're like, wow, you're just reading a bunch of bullshit because it's all fucking stupid mm-hmm. <laughs> because they don't understand the background to it. So it just seems dumb. Yeah. Right. It's like if you read like some paper on like, you know, I don't know, tyrosine kinase, right? And blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And you're like, I don't even know what tyrosine is. What What is this? Like, mm-hmm. if you have, like, never taken biochemistry before, you're like, How, what? Right. Like, yeah. you know, and there's a, there's a lot of reasons that people might be pushed into the opinion of first assuming that it is stupid. Yes. As opposed to just saying, I don't get it, mm-hmm. which I won't get at now. But it, it's very easy, you know, to make these kinds of surface assumptions just right. based on, like, what it looks like people are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, I think, happens even more when you're talking about people who are working jobs. Right. Like, this is the kind of, like, you know, sort of, like, fundamental mismatch that will often happen if you have managers and, like, you know, uh, the people that they sort of supervise, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, when they get into, like, you know, heated tiff, right, there's always, mm-hmm. like, I have more work than you do right. and I'm more important. That goes back and forth. You know, especially if the manager, for example, has never held a position mm-hmm. like the that which they supervise, or like the people that you know are su- that are being supervised, you know, just like have no idea what the manager does, which unfortunately happens a lot, right? I just watched Office Space with some of my coworkers last night. <laughs> oh, I see. Oh my god, that movie <laughs> too real, too real. Yeah. And I mean, like, this is a thing people have to learn to deal with because this is going to happen in everyone's lives. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter what you what you do. Right. Um, you're going to interact with other people. Some of those people are going to oversee you. Right. You might even oversee some people. Mm-hmm. And um, being able to actually, like, A, understand what it is that people who are not you are doing. Mm-hmm. Right. And appreciate, um, you know, what they are doing, even if you don't understand all the complexities that go into it. You have to yeah. believe people at least a little bit when they say that their work is hard. So why are people so negative about this, though? Like, there's a, there's a lot of... Uh, so one common thing at MIT that is even more common than complaining a lot about being busy mm. is complaining about people complaining about being busy. There's a, certain, <laughs> there's a certain thing that goes on where a lot of people will talk about uh, when people complain about how much work they have, and they, you know, they call it, like, the, you know, something Olympics, right? Like, oh, the, oh I have more work than you the, do uh, competition. The who is more hose the game. Yes. Yes. It gets irritating to hear people only refer to it in that sense because, I don't know, this is just me, but I do complain, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. I'm not somebody who is, like, this, you know, stoic whatever the hell. I, I complain when I have, have problems with work. Mm-hmm. And 
it really is just a matter of like blowing off steam. And a lot of the time, like somebody says, like, "Oh man, I have a whole bunch of work," right? Mm-hmm. And I say, "Oh my god, I have a whole bunch of work too," and just start complaining, yeah. you know, with or even at each other. But right. it's not like a thing where you're like, "I have more work than you do." You're just like, "Holy shit, this sucks." sucks yeah. And the other person's like, "Yeah, this sucks," and that's it. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, and I, I guess to like a third person observer, maybe it looks like you're trying to one up each other, but you're just sharing. Right. Right. I mean, like, probably there are some people to whom like it does feel like that. Right. Yeah. But I guess the first question I have when you frame it like that is like, what's wrong with this? What's wrong with complaining or what's wrong with complaining about complaining? What's wrong with compl- what's wrong with complaining in the first place? Because you wouldn't complain about people complaining unless you thought there was something wrong with the first thing and i don't necessarily think that there is something wrong with that i mean i think that like sometimes it can get annoying because like when people when people sit around and they do and they they complain Mm -hmm. and they just keep complaining about how they have so much work eventually your question becomes why don't you go do your work yeah (laughs) I i was just about to say that but i think that anyone complains i think um especially here when you I'm not sure if this is just an engineering-specific environment. Maybe it is. The people tend to distrust people who are more sayers than doers. And so mm. you're like, oh, because you are just saying all these things all the time, and I see you here saying the same thing like five times within a day, if you have someone to say in the same place for like five hours, then yeah. this happens yeah. a lot. And, and, you know, obviously you're not doing anything to fix it or whatever you're doing doesn't work and you should change it or something like right. that. Right, and so you're the outside person saying, like, you're saying all these things, why don't you just do them? And so you get frustrated at them because that, and they're complaining that becomes a vehicle for to, to you at least to see the way that you observe that they're not doing the thing because they're still playing about it thus they haven't fixed it yeah yeah i mean there's a whole philosophical discussion to be had about mm-hmm. uh how things like speech relate to action right um there's actually like a lot of stuff about that it's pretty mm-hmm. interesting but the point is that like mit is like a place that is very much like you know talk is cheap you know is is the attitude about a lot of things and again, starve culture or stereotypes. Yeah. Where, you know, the the joke is on like the buzzwords, you know, the sort of like uh oh the cloud, the cloud, oh my god, the cloud, right? <laughs> that people will talk about. And by the way, if you're sick of that kind of thing, uh there's an extension for most internet browsers called cloud to butt oh yes yes and it will yeah. it will uh render all instant well most but not all it's just like some weird like yeah. stuff with jscript or whatever like but like it will render most instances of the word cloud into butt my friend told me a story about how so like, you see butt computing yeah. all over the place my friend told me a story about like her boyfriend was reading like a thing with that on and then he <laughs> like printed it out and like gave it to somebody without realizing that <laughs> 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 it was still on oh dear yeah oh dear yeah that was hilarious um yeah but um a little bit back to the point that say the talk is cheap is an easy way to um tune out somebody that is that is like over talking because there definitely is a threshold for that but i think that um in general people don't necessarily meet that threshold at least for me and i think that sometimes if you are just shutting out people um that uh, that says more on you that you're not really willing to listen to them Mm. yeah i mean you know that's fine because look 
sometimes ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> Actually, right, right. Sometimes you got three P sets due this week and a paper, and you know your year off advisor is mad at you because you didn't do any work last right. week, and you're like, ah. Yeah, but I'm saying that you should tell somebody that. Like, they won't necessarily, if especially if they're your friend or something. Like, I respect my friends who say that. You know, I started talking to them about something and they're like, okay, I would love to listen to you, but I have a lot of crap going on right now. So like, can you come, can you come back later? Like, I generally care about what you have to say, but I don't have time for this. And that's okay. Like, I do yes. get that. Yes. But some people don't say that and they'll get annoyed at the people who, um, who are just like pestering them because they think they have time, but they really don't have time. And also people in general don't ask about some of the stuff that you were talking about before about like, Oh, what other stuff do you have? And because sometimes the first thing I ask a lot of times when I go up and talk to somebody and I say, Oh, well, what are you up to? What are you doing right now? And if they say like, Oh, I have a ton of work and stuff. I'll normally just be like, oh, well, you know, I know you have, a, it sounds like you have a bunch of stuff to do, you know, I'll come back later, or do you want to get together some other time when we can actually hang out, especially if I just, like, ran into them, yeah. right? And that's a much, I feel like people feel a lot better about those interactions than they do about the person who is just pestering them. Yeah, and, right? and you know, it kind of sucks, too. I think the important thing is like, oh, we could do something later, you know, just like hit me up whenever, right? right? Versus like, oh, that sucks, and you just leave, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because uh, like the other person is just gonna feel bad, like yeah. that's just like, oh. oh. Well, there's you know, also it, an awkward thing in there where oh. you see somebody and they're telling you about something that sucks, but you don't actually want to hang out with them, and then it, yeah, it's, yeah, that's that's a little awkward sometimes. I mean, social situations can be difficult, right? But um, it's certainly never always easy. Yeah, they're they're not. It's never easy. always easy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no one no one is good at being social one hundred percent of the time, and awkward things are always going to happen. But you just gotta get used to it. It's just kind of like, well, that was awkward. Move yeah, on. and just move on. <laughs> yeah, just like walk away. Think about it, maybe for five seconds until I see something else that's interesting on my yeah. walk to wherever I'm going. And I mean, that can be hard to do, especially again at MIT, a place that sometimes breeds horrible attitudes about yourself mm-hmm. and other people um just depression and like skewed ideas of like what is you know normal or expected of you right um or you know how like smart the average person is i guess yeah um like because the average person in mit is actually you know pretty pretty good at right. like most things that we would attach to intelligence, right? Right. And so, like, you uh, you sort of maybe sometimes feel like, man, I'm, I'm really dumb. And, you, you know, you you have work, right? Mm-hmm. But maybe you don't want to admit that you don't got this. Right. Right? Yeah. Um, you don't want to tell people, like, you know, someone's like, oh, man, we haven't hung out in, like, you know, a year. Let's go hang out. And you're like, I have three pieces due in right. five days. But let's go. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. like, and then, you know, then you suffer because of this. And it's sort of finding a balance between... Yeah. Uh, you know, how much do I want to die this week versus, like, mm. you know, I, I'd like to have a social life, please. Yeah, well, I think that, well, one, if you feel like that all the time, you should probably adjust... Um, you should probably drop some mode. classes. <laughs> yeah, if you, if, you feel, if you feel like that too much. Uh, but... Like, like I said before, like, I don't think people need to be afraid of saying, like, those things because there's a way to... Okay, 
there there is definitely a reasonable way to tell somebody like yes but no and if that person freaks out at you because you said like yes but no then that person is being unreasonable like mm. you are not actually being unreasonable and that's just something that you have to understand and internalize um which does bring up the point that this would happen a lot more often to somebody who was 18 as opposed to somebody who was, you know, post-college because just just the amount of experience that you get in um, growing up, maturity kind of thing. And so people do get frustrated at this um, when there's a, when there's a difference there. And, you know, that's kind of part of it. That's kind of that's part of being in a college environment. Right. And yeah. you just have you just have to you you can only control you. <laughs> yeah that's that's and what there's I only so much of that that you have right yeah so. that, that's that's why i say myself every time i feel weird because of something someone else did it's like well you know i'm the only person who has control of me so yeah mm-hmm. you know unless you're married well there's didn't a- <laughs> you, know, there's a- <laughs> you should still have control of you in that situation but blah 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 there's probably more to say on that yeah Yes, but this isn't, you know, life counseling six fists. This is, you know, we're talking about college six fists. Yeah. So, sorry, but you're not going to get marriage counseling here <laughs> or advice. <laughs> Try writing Dear Abby or something like that, you know. Just, <laughs> but I, I think that we've we've gotten at most of the stuff here that, you know, we wanted to look at. Yeah. Um, next time we're going to talk a little bit more about sort of like actual instantiations of this because right. um, this is a thing that happens a lot. Right. Um, and I think that it's, it's pretty instructive to talk about like specific examples, why they happen in sort of like the concrete sense, as yeah. opposed to just, you know, throwing out abstractions. Because I think this is a very useful thing to sort of uh, get used to navigating and, and thinking about mm-hmm. just in all walks of life. Because there are, there are lots of periods in one's life where um, you're going to either be dealing with a lot of people who don't have time for that shit. Yeah, yeah. Or at least say that they don't. Right. Or you're going to be in positions where you really don't feel like you don't have time, time for that shit. Yeah. Like. And you should have asked, but you should have asked someone for help, but you didn't and things happen. And I think that's that's going to be a prime example that comes up where people don't have time for something. They drop the ball and then subsequent things happen because uh, yes. because this because this one person did not admit to themselves that they couldn't do it. This, and, this also happens a lot. Yeah. And. Or, yeah. or I'm sorry for no, interrupting, no, no, but I, yeah. this is worth mentioning. Or someone signs up for a thing, and then the very last minute they're like, "Oh fuck, I have P set, sorry." Right. And then you know everyone's like, "Fuck." Right. <laughs> There's no one to replace you. Yeah. So. Yeah, and we'll talk about it more next episode. But that that introduces an interesting argument where people, everybody says in that group where that happens that like you know this is not okay you should not ditch work for the group because you had pset but that is actually not a favorable attitude to take because then that makes people feel like they need to prioritize the the group over their own work but their own work is going to what's going to make them graduate right and that's mm-hmm. what you're all here for so in essence you really should have work the highest thing but these do- things don't match yeah yeah p.s grad schools don't really care about leadership well you you need it to be a success in research and t- and things like afterwards when you, when you're right. in graduate school but as an undergraduate yeah. they, they don't really care <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think that, and but I think this is part of it. Developing things 
developing a sense of how people work and being able to put yourself in other people's shoes is basically like you know 70 percent of what leadership is because if you show because if you show people that you understand that then people will be willing to do things for you you'll just be able to manage people a lot better and it just makes everything so much less of pulling teeth out of people to do things or prioritize your stuff over over whatever else they have to do because they actually want to contribute to yeah. what to what you have. Yeah, I mean, like you yeah. know, admissions or no, this is like pretty valuable life stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to put yourself in other people's shoes, however difficult or trying that may be at times. <laughs> yeah, you know, like you might feel like, oh my god, this person is being you know just a giant, giant expletive. Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, you you don't want to do anything that might even remotely look like caving to what they want. But sometimes you have to sort of uh, put your foot in the other shoe, as it were. And sometimes you just have to make a sacrifice. Compromise has to happen sometimes. Yeah, that's true. And you got to be okay with that. So, yeah, we'll talk about some specific situations where this kind of thing didn't happen or, you know, someone was swamped with a whole bunch of work and magically forgot to tell anybody. Uh Uh, You know... Situations where you know people had personal difficulties simply because they assumed things about what other people were doing with their right. work and then said mean things. Yeah. There's stuff. Um, There's a lot of stuff. Um, and I think what you'll see is that it is rescuable. Like, absolutely. Yeah, like a lot of these situations. I, I can think of one specific one that I'll tell next time um, that – I rescued it because it is possible. It does require some, like, you know, it requires you to shift your priorities in in some interesting ways sometimes. But a lot of situations are preventable. Even when they start happening, you can definitely just get back on, get back on the horse and make it go. Yeah, uh, and I mean, like, yeah. the thing is everybody makes these mistakes. Yeah. I think people are generally, like, generally, no guarantees for everybody, mm-hmm. pretty understanding about this kind of thing. You say, look... I messed up. Yeah. You know. Yeah, they are. Uh, and, you know, conversely, you should probably be understanding when people right. do this. Yeah. Because it's much better that people be forthcoming to you about fucking up. Oh, yeah. Than they not tell you. Right. Because either way, you're going to find out they fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Especially being out in the uh, not student world. Yeah. If you if you mess up, you should fess up that you messed up and present a plan to fix it or, you know, say, you know, what are we going to do and develop a plan together? Because what's worse is getting to your deadline and saying, I didn't have this because of something that happened three weeks ago. I didn't tell you about it. It's not my fault. Sometimes things happen that aren't your fault, but when they are. But then it becomes your fault when you tell yes. no one. Uh-huh. Again, we'll, we'll get to it. So I'm Everett. I'm Stan. And you can hit us up at our website on iTunes, sixfifths at mit.edu. Uh, let us know that you're out there listening and give us suggestions for stuff. So, yeah, we'll see you next week. Cue the chime.